Welcome to HopeNet Radio, connecting generations to save lives from destructive lifestyles and suicide. Suicide was definitely something that was on my mind a lot. I wanted the pain of life to just stop. My dad is kind of verbally abusive, and he's also a workaholic. When I was hanging around with a bad group, I got raped. I was angry with God for the longest time. A couple weeks ago, my cousin hung himself. I really need to get closer to God. I just slipped so far. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Welcome to another episode of HopeNet Radio, the show where conversations save lives. I'm Jeff Stroman of HopeNet360, my partner at Hope and co-host DW. How you doing, man? Good. Good to be with you and, and uh, our listening audience. You know, a, a few weeks ago, we were able to see uh, some people up here at Silverberg Trans and spend time with them. And, and I really appreciated that because relationships sometimes take looking at people. So all of you that came, I appreciate it. And we appreciated spending some face-to-face time with you. It was really cool. It was a great weekend. And I look forward to doing it again. We're working on something for late February, maybe early March. So just kind of keep that on the back burner. And you'll hear more about that as time goes on. So I'm excited to be here this week with you guys. We also have one of our, again, our one of our top-notch youth pastors, Mike Autumn. So glad to have you back on the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me back. I always enjoy the time on the show as well as being with you and Dave and uh, learning off you guys and just having co- great conversation. Yeah, and this is we're we're in the middle of a series here on thanks living, and so I want to thank you guys so much for subscribing to the podcast and just sharing this with your friends. I think this is one of those series that I hope it opens up your mind to what God has to speak to you, and maybe you've been going through some difficult things in your life and you're trying to make sense of them. And so, anytime on the show or anytime in your week, you can always go and chat with a live coach at HopeNet360.com. We have that available for you guys, just so you know you're not alone. And sometimes the things we talk about on the show they may not be relating to what's going on in your life right now, but maybe you do have something that you really do need some answers for. And that's what the live coaches are there for to chat with at hopenet360.com. Just click on the talk to a live coach button. So we're in the middle of our thanks living series, and this is all about breaking down thanks. So the first week we talked about our time. Every single one of us has the same amount of time in our lives. We have 24 hours in a day. We have seven days a week, 365 and a quarter days a year. So we have, you know, we have the same amount of time to be thankful. Do you find that we aren't always thankful with our time? Yeah, I find that sometimes we don't appreciate our time. Uh, As I get older, I tend to appreciate my time even more because I realize it's, you know, fleeing. Uh, When I was younger, it seemed like time took forever. You know, it took forever to turn 16 to be able to drive a car. It took forever to get my first job. It took forever to get varsity in high school sports. Uh, It seemed to take forever. But now as I'm I'm getting older, it seems like time just won't slow down. And so sometimes (laughs) I think that there's many times where I wasn't thankful for time, but I'm starting to get really thankful for time now. Yeah. You have to be a little bit more proactive about it. And we talked about that in the first week on the show last week, we talked about the heart and how important it is to know, you know, to have an identity, you know, where your identity is rooted in because this world is going to try to shape your identity. It's going to try to tell you who you are, what you're supposed to be, what you're supposed to look like. God has different plans for us. God wants to shape our heart after him. So that's a little bit of a different mindset. Tonight, we're going to talk about our attitude. So Tonight, the A is for attitude, and it really has to do, I think, guys, with sometimes we get confused where we think attitude, you know, having a bad attitude is kind of the same thing as having a bad mood. You guys ever get accused of having a bad attitude, or have you ever? Yeah, this morning, before I came over to the studio, 
that my wife usually isn't up early, but she was up early today, and she was telling me I wasn't wearing clothes that were matching. And then, uh, and I was grumbling about something, and she said, "So what are you doing? Going to have a show on how to have a good attitude?" She didn't even know. So <laughs> it was like, actually, yes, we are. <laughs> so That's I got caught. Funny. I got busted this morning. So it was one of those <laughs> one of those things. But you know, did you ever notice, like with a like NFL team or baseball team? I mean, same players. One week they look like you know they play for the St- Sisters of the Poor or something. I mean, they're just terrible. And and the next week they're like Super Bowl champs. And you got to look at it, it's the same team. What happened? Yeah. I mean, when I used to play sports, I realized. Do you realize and how much of life is attitude and 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 just mental preparedness and thinking through things and I'm telling you it affects everything in your life how you go into things yeah and I, I've spent a couple of weeks in a row going and talking to a local high school football team and and just sharing some thoughts with them before they went to the game and and it was kind of neat because in my talk I'm talking about at the end of it I always say that you guys know how to win I mean obviously they're in the playoffs because they know how to win but the same scoreboard shows up every single week it seems like the scoreboard doesn't ever change at the beginning of the game it's always zero zero right. so it doesn't doesn't really matter what your record is, even in the playoffs or even the regular season. That's why, you know, we're Packers fans here. The coach always emphasizes that you're still zero zero, that you can get you can move past the last game. Yeah, it might hurt if you lose, but you have to move forward. You have to go with the mindset that you can win this game. Let, let me ask you this, though. If you're coaching and, and thinking about attitude, that kind of thing, do you lie to people to give them a false attitude? I mean, is that what we do? I mean, do, do, like I can remember there, there was coaches in my life who would say, you know what, you could run through this brick wall. I'm thinking, I don't think so. Not really. <laughs> you know, I, but what yeah. they were trying to do is set an attitude that wasn't even realistic in some respects. And I, I remember I played against a guy once. He played for San Francisco for two years as a uh, offensive tackle. And I was a freshman coming in. And worse, worse yet, his name was Caesar. And um, and I was going against this guy, and I'm telling you, he beat me to a pulp. And I had heard every false idea of trying to get me uh, to have an attitude to where I could win uh, a battle. I mean, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. I mean, all that kind of stuff. Yep. And, and I'm telling you, the only coach that gave it to me straight was one at halftime that looked at me and says, you know what, just hang in there. I hope you make it. And I thought, <laughs> thank you. You know, you're, that's right. This guy's beating on me. And, and he had the skill, he had the size, he had the, it wasn't, you know, because of that one coach telling me the truth, I was able to endure the rest of the game, okay, but but with a realistic attitude, like, this guy's going to beat me to a pulp, isn't he? And in life, sometimes we get sidelined by people who tell us lies, like we get ribbons all of our life for like walking across the schoolroom and not tripping or something. And and we're, we're, we're going, man, I'm, Look at my trophy case. I actually saw a kid's trophy case, like an eight-year-old's. It was bigger than uh, Steve Young's would have been or something. I mean, it's like, no kidding. Where'd you get all these awards? You know, well, I'm just really talented at walking across the room and not tripping and stuff. And I thought, man, we have to be careful where we get those bits of advice from because it does affect us down the road. Yeah, I think that uh, with the aspect of just good coaching and stuff, like I never got into football or any of that. I was a cross-country runner, and there were times where I needed that encouragement from a coach or a teammate where they say keep going when I was ready to drop along the side of the road and just give up. And so I think, you know, the attitude affects even the people around us as well. And once your team gets it, 
and they get on the same with attitude. It's amazing some of the things that you can accomplish that you didn't think you could do because your coaches or the, your teammates pulled you through those times. Yeah. I, I had a flashback when you were saying that of, of see, there's two different things. There, there's the realistic uh, approach where you're looking at saying, you know, this guy can run, you know, a mile, you know, a half a minute faster than you. And and what you don't you don't focus on what he does anyway. You focus on your best at that point. Um, but I remember when we were in the the weightlifting room, you know, there were guys lifting weights that shouldn't have been lifting what they were lifting. But there were the team was around them, you know, and they were saying, "You can do this, man!" You know, and before you know it, he got it up. Yeah. So it's one of those cool things that I don't think this weightlifter could ever get the weight up without everyone shouting at him that day. But they did shout at him. Mm-hmm. And it's funny how that, that that attitude or that, what is it that, that got the weight up? I mean, because he couldn't do it unless people were around, like, shouting at him, encouraging praises. Yeah, it's it's doing what you're capable of doing. And you're exactly right. I mean, there are some things we can't do. I mean, running through a cement wall, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure that I would be able to withstand that force. I mean, the wall has some force to it, and my body— I'll assure you that you can. I'm a smaller frame. Yeah, I'm a smaller frame, so the chances of me being able to do that are probably slim to none. But, you know, if it was Iron Man, might have a chance, you know? <laughs> but if it, it's, if it's me, I probably can't do that. But there are things realistically that I can do. I mean, I'm sure I could lift 200 pounds if I really had the courage to do it. And probably if I started lifting a little bit less of that weight and working up to it. But I think there are times in our life— where we're faced with an obstacle, we're faced with a situation, we're faced with a weight that we think is too much to bear. And yet when you have people around you that are encouraging you, that are just shouting at you that you can do this, uh, you find out that you really can do this. You really have the strength to do it. So we're going to take a break here on the show. We're going to talk more about attitude and how it relates to our mood because I think sometimes we get this confused where our attitude and our mood are the same thing. A bad attitude is a bad mood. We're going to talk more about this here on the show where conversations save lives. We'll be back on HopeNet Radio. Are you hurting, stressed out, need somebody to talk to? Chat with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at HopeNet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Attitude is altitude. And tonight we're talking about having a thankful attitude on our Thanksgiving series here on HopeNet Radio. Glad that you've joined us here tonight on the show. If you want to catch up on our Thanksgiving series, you can go and download the podcast at HopeNet360.com or on iTunes. Also brand new this week, we're on TuneIn Radio. So you can now search for HopeNet Radio on TuneIn Radio if you have the app or you use TuneIn Radio. If you're on Android or iPhone, there's an app for that. So uh, go ahead, check it out. Go to HopeNet360.com. If you want to learn how to download our podcast and listen back through that way, you can share with your friends. Mike, we were talking in the break. You have a really interesting story of how your attitude really affected you in your college years. Why don't you share that? Yeah, I was thinking about Thanksgiving. I was thinking about attitude and a little bit of this mood. And I was thinking back to when I felt God calling me to youth ministry. And that was during high school. I felt called to go into full-time youth ministry. And I kind of fought God back and forth on where, what I should do, when I should do it, and where I should do it. And during my senior year, it was quite an interesting conversation with God. I knew I was supposed to go to Liberty University and study youth ministry. I just wanted to work a year 
and then go to Liberty University. And uh, over the summer of my senior year, I ended up going through two major events. Uh, one was a Christian music festival where I saw a lot of uh, teenagers uh, just praising God. And the other was a mission trip to Mexico. I could go into that uh, quite a bit, but those two major events shifted me to ending up at Liberty University that fall. I uh, jumped in my Dodge Shadow and loaded up everything I had, took my acceptance letter and went to Liberty University. No room, no classes, no food, uh, no financial aid and just showed up. Over that week, I was able to get in there. And so I had a lot of good attitude about the fact that I was there at Liberty University. Well, I ran into this other guy who was in the same type of situation as myself. He didn't know how he was going to pay for college. I didn't know how to pay for college. And we started having this conversation of, hey, how are we going to do it? Well, I ran into him at another time and he said, I have to go home. I can't pay for college. And I was like, man, that's that's sad. And so, you know, I said goodbye to him. Well, I ended up seeing him a week later. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? I'm still here. <laughs> and uh, he's like, man, you'll never believe it. The financial aid lady went and talked to our chancellor, Jerry Falwell, and said, hey, this kid's going to go home. And Jerry gave him four years uh, scholarship, full paid everything. He didn't have no worries. I was like, man, that's awesome. And then I sat there thinking to myself, well, God, why didn't well, I'm following your direction? Why didn't that happen for me? Yeah. And so for me, my attitude of thankfulness, I was in college, quickly shifted and my, my mood changed a little bit. And all of a sudden I was kind of getting a little jealous of this other guy thinking, man, I'm following God. And, you know, even coming out of, you know, college and, and that it would have been great if God would have just showed up with a silver platter of money and said, here you go. Mm -hmm. uh, but the things looking back now and why I'm thankful that he didn't do that and he didn't give me a full ride is because I learned some things in my life. I learned to rely on him. I learned to trust him. Uh, I learned how to be a hard worker. I worked all my breaks away to be able to achieve my two degrees at Liberty University, as well as learned how to manage money. If God would have just gave it to me, I would have never learned that. And so my attitude fluctuated. Uh, sometimes it was good. Sometimes it was bad. Uh, my mood changed depending on my attitude. Uh, but at the end of the day, looking back now, I'm so glad God took me down a path that I wouldn't have wanted, you know, well, I can't even do the math in my head, like 12 years ago. Uh, yeah, he could have just threw the money at me. And so, yeah, my attitude and my mood and my calling to ministry all have been affected by the way God's directed me. I think as I read through the Bible, I keep seeing the same simple premise over and over again, how Satan works. And he always works by starting with, for me, it seems. I am being left out. I am not getting what I deserve. I am not getting what somebody else gets. And that creates a jealousy or an envy or a, whatever it might be, when in reality, God really deals with all of us differently. He doesn't deal with all of us the same way. And uh, I, I have a different story in college. I went to Wheaton. It was expensive. And I really um, made the decision to work at uh, Camp Silver Birch Ranch in the summers for nothing. And after four years, my roommate did the same thing. Um, my dad was our pastor, and, and he encouraged us, if that's what God puts on your heart, do it and see what he does. And so we did. And I'll never forget, at the, the end of the, uh, it was four years, and, and we were sitting in the room. We actually were sitting there uh, in our underwear because we had just finished a, um, a pillow fight where feathers were flying everywhere and sticking to everything because we were all sweaty. And, and we were just sitting there now thinking we have to study. It was during finals. 
and, and we have to figure out what to do now because we just messed up everything. And a guy walks in the, in the room because we were making noise. And he walked in and he looked at us. I still remember this. He said, hate you guys. And before we graduate, I had to tell you that. And I thought, you know, here we are. If you could picture it, sweaty, in our underwear, full of feathers. And he looked at us and said, he hates us. And so my roommate and I looked at each other started laughing just because it was so bizarre at the moment. And, and, and then I said to him, well, explain yourself. He goes, you know what? For four years, you guys have gone up and you have, you know, volunteered your time. You have not worked like the rest of us in the summer, like a dog. And here you are graduating debt-free. And I have debt for the rest of my life. And, and, and I'm thinking, so what did we do wrong again? You know what really happened? Um, we listened to good advice, I think. It wasn't that we weren't told to work. It wasn't that we weren't. No. In fact, we worked really hard in the summers. We just didn't get paid for it. And, and what our pastor, what my dad told us was, if that's where you think God wants you, then let God supply your needs. I went through Wheaton College, came out that free. You know, I mean, it, it was amazing how that happens. And I'm not saying that everybody should do that or everybody should do what Mike talked about or we should do, no, or Mike's friend there. What we do is we have to listen to those who actually know what they're talking about and, and realize that this jealousy thing, this envy thing starts to really creep in and it starts to control our attitude. Um, we've talked about that envy thing before. I mean, that's what Satan has. It's, it's not really an, a, a fun thing to have because all you wish then is for harm to the other person. This guy at Wheaton, all he wished is for, I wish you guys would have the burden of having to pay like I do. Well, that's a dead end street, hmm. really. Yeah. And um, it, it's just interesting how our attitude gets shaped so much by what other people actually are doing or said, and it really doesn't have much to do with us, but we're focusing on them somehow. Yeah. You know, I think we do get these words confused, and I want to just take a moment just to talk about the difference between our attitude and our mood, because sometimes you'll have someone that comes up to you, whether it's mom or dad, typically that's the one you hear from first, you know, if you're a teenager or you're a young adult and living at home with the family, you know, you've, you've probably heard the phrase before, you know, you really have a bad attitude. Sometimes we equate it, I think, with having or being in a bad mood. And I, I think there's got to be a difference between this because as I've looked both in the Bible and I've talked to different people, I think our attitude, our attitude's a little bit different than our mood. Doesn't the attitude shape the mood, you think? That's what I think. Attitude is more than just a mood, you know, because your mood is, you know, you're happy, you're sad, you're... Let me ask you this. Can you control your mood or can you control your attitude? I mean, which one can you control? Man, I think it has to be your attitude. Is it even possible to control our mood? I think our mood is more like our emotion, like what we're feeling inside. It's it's like an effect of your attitude than it is. Yeah, so it's not good to stuff your mood necessarily. I, no, I think your mood is just right. I mean, if I if I have a bad if I'm feeling bad, is it good to just pretend I'm not because I have a good attitude? No, not necessarily. Really, what we're talking about here is is really two different concepts. There there is there is this mood thing, but if we if we combine that with attitude, like if my parents come in my room and say, you have a bad attitude, but I really have a bad mood, I have no way to fix this at this point because I can't figure out where that mood came from anyway. Hmm. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, it totally makes sense. And, and where we get this mixed up, we're talking about being thankful. Our attitude really has to be a thankful attitude. And that's that's really, it's more than just our mood. Our mood isn't just a thankful mood. It's it's a thankful attitude. Our mood is just a byproduct of it. So, you know, we I want to unpack this a little bit more as we go through the show. And tonight, maybe if you're struggling to have a thankful attitude or even a good attitude, I want you to know you can go and chat with a live coach tonight. And maybe they have something to tell you, to share with you that might just change your attitude and how you're outlook is on life and just in general what's going on in your life so chat with the live coach right now hopenet360.com just click on the talk to a live coach button back with more on hopenet radio we're connecting parents with their teens in real conversations that save lives hopenet radio on q90 fm this is hopenet radio connect with us on facebook and twitter hashtag hnr now back to jeff and dave Welcome back to HopeNet Radio. Jeff, DW, Mike Ott, youth pastor at Graceway Church. We're glad that you guys have joined us here on the show. And we got an email in recently, writes in and says, you know, your show encourages me so much. Uh, I love that you guys post the podcast and we're glad that you have been able to pick up the podcast. She says, I don't know if you've covered this topic yet, but could you guys maybe do a show just on stress or maybe anxiety? And it seems like my parents don't care, but I know they do. Dave, I'm kind of wondering, you know, we're talking about attitude and we're... I, I think every one of us, that's something that we all struggle with, just stress. I mean, stress, if we define it, has to do with expectations. It has to do with time and how the two intersect and being able to get maybe some things done in a certain amount of time, uh, fulfilling certain expectations. And I just think, you know, as we're looking at our attitude, how does our attitude shape our stress level or does it have any interaction there? Oh, man, tremendous. I mean, actually, when you think about it, We've talked about this before, that every human being, everyone listening to us, desires significance. And and really, if they keep trying to be significant, then what happens is they miss it because significance is a gift that God gives us when we understand who we are as a child of his and how we're made and live within that. Now, let me flush that out just a little bit. Um, for example, a lot of stress comes from maybe I'm going to school. And, and everybody, my parents and my teachers, ex- ex- expect me to get straight A's. That's stressful right there. So I put an expectation on myself to get that. And, and if I don't get that grade, then what happens is I begin to believe that I am worthless. I, I cannot cut it. I can't make it. Because all of the expectations around us are such that we put ourselves in that position. We really are putting ourselves in a position of failure at that point. And I'm not saying you shouldn't get good grades, but believe it or not, people are gifted in different things. Um, I, believe it or not, was not gifted in academics. I went to Wheaton College. I was a football player, and I think there were a, a two million jokes about me being a football player rather than an academic. But you know what I do today? I write books and I speak and that kind of thing. I I began to not listen to the critics, but I wasn't really good at some things. I've never been a good speller. I don't know how to do that. And and I'm I'm thankful for spell check. I've never been at the top of my academic chart. I mean, never. But, But the things that I do, I just love doing. I love analyzing things. I love analyzing how people think. I love... I love being loved by God. I I love showing people who he is. So the things that I do, I'm energized by, and it seems like that's what God gifted me at. Um, I'm very thankful that there are people here on our staff that are more introverted than I. I think that's a gift. And, And they do a lot of our business and logistics and that kind of thing. 
And, and what happens down the road is you begin to see, I am putting a lot of pressure on me that really is coming from expectations of others. I am actually allowing others to be my God in a way by, by creating a pool of expectations that are unrealistic for me. And so now I've got to try and meet all of those expectations, and I'm hating the process. And that begins to affect our attitudes. Is your solution then, I'm thinking of Mike's situation where he's talking about how am I going to be able to pay for college? And boy, I just wish that that stress would be just taken off my plate because then I could focus on my schoolwork and the other expectations. Sometimes in life, we've got expectations that are important to uh, actually meet, right? Right. And you should have a high standard and expectations in your life. You should have those, but they should be realistic. Now, let me give you a God has certain responsibilities in life. I went through the Bible once, and I put a column on a piece of paper, and on one side I put God's responsibilities, on the other side I put Dave's responsibilities. And it's really interesting. What happens is if I start taking responsibilities that belong to God, they crush me because I'm never made to hold them. I can't even hold them up. So a lot of people think, well, I I need to make myself a success in life. No, you don't. That'll be God's business. What you need to do is live the way God made you to live. Enjoy God. Enjoy the people around you. Work at making them successful. And what happens is as you live in that manner, that's what you were made to do. You weren't made to make sure that the circumstances all work out the way you want them to. Because the circumstances and how they play out in, 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 in life and in the, in the nation and in the world, that belongs to God. That doesn't belong to you. And so if we are trying to control something that actually only God can control, that's too much of a weight on us. I would suggest to young people, God made you a certain way. Let's talk about what we know. God made you from the time you were in your mother's womb. He knew you. He loves you. He he has a plan for you. And, And what you are right now doing is discovering what that plan is by listening to what he says and by older people that actually know him and you're going to him for advice. And and as you discover what he tells you and as you choose to live in the context of what he says, you begin to enjoy life under the expectations that are realistic. I can actually love God and I can actually love people, but I cannot change the world around me. So, So my expectations have to be within line of what I can do and then let God do what he does, and now all of a sudden the stress is relieved. And that is that is really important to understand, too, how we value things. And I, I'm looking at it from probably probably a similar you know way of what this young gal is, is saying, too. I mean, she I emailed back and forth a little bit with her, and, and she was talking about how her schoolwork, she started out at the beginning of the day working on schoolwork, and then she did some gymnastic stuff at the, uh, the end of the day, and then went back home and did more school stuff. And so it seemed like this life that was perpetually just a cycle of schoolwork, you know, extracurricular, and then schoolwork again, and then sleep somewhere in there. And, and a lot of college, you know, people are, are in that position. College students are in that same spot where, where it's like I have – and you, talk, you said, you know, we have to have realistic expectations. Well, sometimes we don't have the opportunity to put the expectations on ourselves. We don't really have a choice. I mean, if I don't get a good grade in this class, it might affect my scholarships that I get. It might affect um, some financial aspects of college. It might affect um, some social 
parts yeah. of it. I mean, maybe being a part of like a campus group or a campus that uh, pressure, house. That pressure uh, causes people to start cheating and doing things that really they shouldn't be doing. Yes. Because, because what they're looking at is I want to be that person. What if I'm a, a, a football player that can't spell? I mean, what if that's who I am? Mm-hmm. I have to look at it honestly and say, God, you made a mistake, right? No, he didn't make a mistake. <laughs> and, and I have to say, okay, then what is it I'm supposed to be about? Because, you know, for the life of me, I, I, I had to take a special class at Wheaton College because I was an elementary ed teacher on spelling and on and grammar. And I flunked it. And not the whole class, but I flunked the spelling part. They gave me the yeah. thousand most misspelled words, and they wanted me to pass that. And it, that was like torture. And and, and I <laughs> oh, ended no. up, I think, taking that test three times because I, I flunked it each time. And each time I misspelled different words. You know, I mean, it was like, <laughs> and I finally the professor pulled me off to the side. He was an older professor. He put his arm around me. He said, Dave, you got to learn something here. You don't know how to spell. And I said, you know, I knew that before I came in here. And, and, and there's something wrong with my brain. I call him Doc. I said, Doc, there's something wrong with my brain. I, I cannot understand this language, how to spell it. I'm sorry. And he goes, well, you've got to carry a dictionary now everywhere with you, and I'll let you pass the class. And I remember looking at him saying, you know, you people that can spell, that's your answer. Carry a dictionary. The truth of the matter is, if you can't spell, dictionaries don't even help. Because you don't even know how it's spelled to look it up. You know, I mean, and in the process, though, I was able to grasp reality there and and realize I am never going to be a guy. So I taught school. I taught fifth grade. Day one, I told my students, I really struggle with this. And when you catch me misspelling a word on the board or anything else, I want you to tell me because I like uh, I don't even see it. And I want you to tell me. From day one, see, all I did was embrace reality. It did not limit me. It did not make me somebody that can't be successful. It did not ruin my career. But I grabbed reality and said, okay, here's something that I have that doesn't work. Will I let this destroy me? Or will I admit what it is and learn how to live in the context of it? Because I know God loves me and has a plan. And and the latter actually is the one that started to shape my mood. Yeah, in this time of year, I mean, I I fully agree with you, Dave. I think this time of year can be pretty stressful where, again, we're talking about a consumer society where a lot of us are bent on getting the next iPhone or the next thing uh, for Christmas. You're getting your Christmas list together. You're already past Thanksgiving. And it's, you know, we, we get so ahead of ourselves and we get so wrapped up in the expectations of what this time of year is about that we forget what it means to really be thankful. And so tonight we're talking about having an attitude of thankfulness. And, and I want to make sure that we're clear on this. When we talk about attitude, we're talking about really the thought process behind it, because it, I I think it has to do with a right thinking to being thankful. It's it, you can't just be thankful on accident. You can't just have a thankful attitude. It's not within our our default nature to be thankful beings. A lot of times we're just focused on ourselves, and that's really the idea of giving thanks is you take the focus off of yourself. So we're going to unpack this more as we go on in the show in the second half of HopeNet Radio. Remember, you can chat with the live coach anytime at hopenet360.com. Make sure to also subscribe to the podcast if you can't hang around for the next half of the show. We hope that you go back to hopenet360.com or iTunes or TuneIn Radio and subscribe to the podcast and that way you can catch up on all the past episodes and share them with your friends we'll be back with the second half of hope net radio feel like nobody cares we do HopeNet360.com has an online crisis chat line powered by Groundwire. A live coach is available to talk right now at HopeNet360.com. 
It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to the second half of HopeNet Radio. It is the show where conversations save lives. Jeff, DW, Mike Ott here in studio with you tonight. We're glad that you guys have joined us on the show. Don't forget to check out tonight's show notes at HopeNet360.com slash radio. Every single week we have show notes, and this is also where we post our podcast after the show is done tonight. But just to give you some links, some stuff to think about, and things that we do talk about on the show, also jump on our tweet back. I forgot to mention that before. We do have our live tweet back going on right now at HopeNet360.com slash tweet back. Or if you're on Twitter, hashtag HNRTB. It's the HopeNet Radio tweet back. That's what the hashtag stands for. We'd like to know your thoughts. I think tonight's show, guys, is really fascinating about attitude. We're talking about being thankful all this month, and we're going to unpack the word thanks. So we've got different words to go with that. So if you're taking notes or you're checking out the show notes, uh, you'll see how this all fits together. So the T was for time. The second one, heart, H, heart, our identity and who we are as a person. The hardest question sometimes to answer is that question of who are you? So that's if you understand who you are, who you're, how God has made you. That's what we talked about last week on the show. And this week, we're talking about the attitude and attitude being the way we think, how we process information. We take our heart, we take our identity, we take our beliefs and our value, and those things shape the way we think, how we think about things and how we process an information. And then from there, we're going to talk about how that affects our mood and then to what we do in the final couple of weeks. So tonight, guys, we're talking and we talked about the difference between attitude and mood. I mean, they're not the same thing. Sometimes we get them mixed up, but they they are a little bit different. When we talk about last week having the right heart, I think if we have the right heart, the right beliefs, the right values, uh, the right passion, I guess, if you line those things up, those things affect our attitude and how we think about things. How do we have a right attitude? How do we have a thankful attitude this month? Well, I was thinking of Dave's story a little bit, you know, and the, the fact of that he struggles with spelling and some other things. And I think of so many teenagers today that, you know, they struggle in different areas. Uh, some people might be great spellers, but they're horrible when they go to PE class. Like they dread PE class because they're they're not athletic. Yeah. And so they get there and it's like, oh, you can't climb the rope. You can't run the mile. Man, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Uh, and you know, you got other people that have problems with spelling. You have people that are not creative. Uh, I love the creatives in youth ministry. Like I like searching them out because mm-hmm. they make my logos better. They make my ministry better because they're very creative. Amen. Um, a lot of times we miss out on those people that are creative, the people that can paint, draw, they can look at something and see something that nobody else can see. And so teenagers, they have strengths and weaknesses. Uh, some aren't as much in areas and some are like really strong in some areas. And like, sometimes I get jealous with the creatives. I'm a little bit of a creative myself. I wish I was a little more creative. Uh, but I sit down with those, those teenagers and those people because they're brilliant. Yeah, you know what, mm-hmm. what he just said is brilliant because it shows you what we were talking about the whole show. Here's Mike. He's, he's a youth pastor. And what is he doing? He is trying to look at how the people in his youth group are wired and getting them into a position where they can be successful in the way they're wired. You know, what I love to do and what my dad saw early was that I loved to teach. And he kept putting me in a position where I could. And and then that developed. And that's because somebody was living in reality. Dave, you're not going to be. My, my high school football coach once told me, um, and, and he was my swimming coach as well. 
because I was asking him for advice of how many sports I should play in high school. And he looked at me and said, do them all. And he, and he stopped for a second. He goes, you do know that you're not good enough to be professional in any of them. And I said, yeah. <laughs> he goes, so enjoy them. I mean, go out there. And in, this is the purpose of, of high school and sports right now. Go out and broaden your perspective. Go enjoy the sports that you're going to do. And I thought, thanks for the freedom. And you're right. Thanks for being <laughs> honest. You know, I'm, I wasn't going to be a professional basketball player. You know, I, I can't stuff the ball. I can't get two inches off the floor. My vertical jump stinks. It, it, somebody needs to tell me that. Do you ever watch, like, the trials for um, American Idol? Ever see those? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Don't you think that some people get up and say, yeah, everyone in my life has told me what a great singer I am, and they get up and they just they are terrible kind of thing? Yep. <laughs> and you wonder, yep. where are the honest people in your life? You just put yourself in front of millions of people and made a fool out of yourself, you know, because <laughs> yeah. nobody's been honest with you. They keep telling you how wonderful of a singer you are when you weren't. Now, now, you might be really good at spelling or something or something else, but you're not a good singer. And I think honesty is the foundation for an attitude that will shape a right mood, I think. That is exactly it. That is exactly it. Ephesians 4 really talks about this uh, a little bit more in depth. And I just I want to read it because I think it has to do with, again, when we talk about our values, we talk about our beliefs. Guys, what we believe about ourselves is so important. Just like any sports team, I spent some time, you know, as I, as I talked about before, I talked to a couple of high school football teams. Well, the, talked to a, a high school football team in the last couple of weeks as they're going into the playoffs. And, you know, the reality is, is you guys, they knew how to win. They knew how to win at football. And I wanted to kind of talk to them about how you win at life. But not only that, but how you think about your opponent, how you think about the game, how you think ultimately determines your success in so many ways. It's not just about lifting, you know, 200 pounds, 250 pounds. I can't do that. But maybe if I had someone cheering me on or maybe if I had the right thought process, I'd be able to do it. Because a lot of times we tell ourselves things that just aren't true. We we are believing the lies of people that have told us things. Maybe your mom or your dad has said something that you've just taken a heart and you think, well, yeah, I can't spell. I'm never going to spell. I can't read right. I am dyslexic. I am, you know, I am these things. And we've allowed those things to shape then our attitude. And that affects what we do in our life. I mean, I've found that in my own life. I found that the things that I believe to be true affect how I look at myself. I look at other people. And Ephesians 4, 22 to 23 talks about putting off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. So talking about your identity again, uh, your your old manner, your former manner of life, it's corrupt through deceitful desires. And then we need to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And this whole, we're talking about attitude. And again, attitude is not a mood thing. It's really about our minds. And Romans 12, to talks about this as well. And it says that we can't follow the patterns of this world, but we have to have our minds renewed. And it's the same thing, attitude, minds, thought process. If we have the right thought process, again, this really will shape our, sometimes our successes and even our failures in life if we don't have the right attitude. I just, I find this is completely profound. As you're reading Ephesians, I went on a little further into the 25th verse from the uh, basic Bible edition. It says this, and so putting away false words, let everyone say what is true to his neighbor, for we are parts of one another. And that's what we're talking about. Be honest. Yep. You may not be good at something. You may not. But what do we know that's true? That from the time I was in my mother's womb, God made me. And there's a really, really cool plan that he has for me. And when I find it, wow. You know, the, the last 30 some years as I've come over here to teach, 
I don't think I'm going to work yet. <laughs> I mean, I, I come and just enjoy doing what God put on my heart to do. And I'm, I, it's not because I can spell or I'm, I'm athletic or anything else. There are other people that are good at that other stuff and they're doing those mm -hmm. things. But, but I, I, I benefited from people telling me the truth. Put away false words. Let everyone say what is true to his neighbor. Say what's true. Why? Because we're part of each other. We want each other successful. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. If you're not one who is a Christian, if you are not in the family of God, we invite you to understand what that means. Get in contact with a live course today at, at hopenet360.com and say, I want in this family of God. How do I do that? Because if you're not in the family, man, that's the first step. But once you're in there, then the rest of us get to, to help you function in the body part you are by dealing with truth and, and encouraging you and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and without that, we're in trouble. In the next segment, I'm going to show you how the right attitude and the right thought process that this world says is right and what's true and the way we should think about things is entirely wrong. It's entirely backwards than the way it should be. So we're going to unpack this a little bit more. I just want to encourage you, if you do have a Bible, maybe you want to grab that right now because we are going to go into some scripture and talk about how to have the right attitude and what it's actually founded upon. So we're going to pick up this conversation more on the show. Yes, you can chat with a live coach right now at hopenet360.com. Also jump back on the tweet back right now, hashtag HNRTB. We'll be back here on HopeNet Radio. If you're going through something tonight, a live coach is waiting to talk to you at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at HopeNet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Welcome back to HopeNet Radio. Glad you've joined us on the show. First Peter 4, 1 and 2 says this, guys. In the New Living Translation, it says, So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. And I find it interesting, guys, in the ESV, instead of it saying the same attitude, what Peter says, he says, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. Our attitude is more than a mood. It's the way we think. It's our thought process on things. And Dave, in the break, we were just talking about, you know, people who work in maybe our military or our law enforcement, different um, places of our society that protect people, that they have to train themselves to have an attitude where they'd be willing to jump in front of a dangerous situation to save the life of somebody else. Right. I got buddies who actually are in that division and, and I've talked to them several times about it because I'm amazed. Even if they disagree with the policies, they, they may not even like the person they're guarding. Mm. Their job is very clear. They are there to protect the person who holds the office, whatever it might be. They're there to protect them. They're there to make sure that that like if we're in a parade, let's say you're going to a parade somewhere, you have to realize that there are these guys scattered on top of buildings and everywhere looking for those who may cause harm, ready to destroy them if necessary, ready to step in the way if necessary so that you and I could enjoy our freedoms. And, and you don't know about them because they've trained so well to disappear so that you and I can enjoy the lives of freedom that we enjoy. And, I, and, and often I've talked to them about this because it's like, man, that's incredible. I didn't even know this was going on behind the scenes like it is. But, but it's not something that happens naturally. They have to actually think about there's somebody shooting at this person. I need to step in front of them and take the bullet. Mm. Man, that, that's, that's not avoiding pain at that no. point. 
But, but there's something where as they've trained, they've understood this is the cost of a free society. We, we can't limit everybody in the crowd. The cost is we need to be able to protect those who are innocent. And, and we will be trained to do that. And I think as a child of God, I have the same kind of um, challenge. I get to protect those who are innocent, who really are, they're not innocent in that they don't sin or anything, but I get to protect people so they could have the freedom of the truth because the truth sets you free. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in many ways, I get to stand between them and, and the philosophers of the day and others who start to fire stuff at them and try and absorb that and say, no, I'm not letting that hit them right now. Mm-hmm. because it will destroy them. And in, in that process, that's what Jesus did. And in the process, there is suffering that takes place. Yeah, um, yeah. I like to put it in an analogy of a child being born. And being a male, I don't know what that feels like at all. So all you ladies that are listening that have gone through childbirth, forgive me for not understanding something I'm talking about. However, it isn't a piece of cake, that much I know. What's interesting is, for the joy of giving childbirth, a mother will go through what she goes through. But in the process, there is pain, and there is sometimes quite a bit of it. And the Bible tells us that for the joy of the cross, Jesus suffered. What was the joy of the cross? That had to do not with feeling, because he sweat drops of blood going up to it. that that was nails in his, you know, and, and people think, well, Jesus didn't have feeling. He did. It moved. No, he was on the cross and he could have breathed on those people and destroyed them all. Mm-hmm. Instead, he looked at him and said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Yep. And I thought, wow, where did that come from? It came from a right attitude, understanding truth, understand what was really happening. What was really happening there? Jesus was dying to free people, to bring them to, to God, to allow us into his family. Jesus knew that. And what did that do? It shaped his mood. In other words, his attitude and understanding the truth and grabbing a hold of it now shaped his mood. He, he didn't have to breathe on people and kill everybody kind of thing. Yeah. I, I don't know if that makes sense, but that's, it's very powerful to me. Well, Mike, you probably know this verse. I'm trying to think of where it says this, but do you know what where it talks about the mission of Christ, why Jesus came to this world? I can't think of it off the top of my head. I think it's John three seventeen. for he came to this world not to condemn this world, but to save it. Yeah. You know, and he came to save this world, and it was different from the way even that the people of Israel thought that he was going to do it. They thought he was going to ride in and just destroy everybody who was, you know, against this move of, of Jesus or against God, essentially. You know, like a political figure or a big military figure who was going to wipe out all their enemies, you know, take care of them. There will be, you know, essentially peace on earth for all of Israel. And that's not what Jesus did. Instead, he made everyone right before God, because ultimately that was the problem. The problem wasn't sometimes what we perceive the problem to be, you know, the behaviors of people outside. We try to, you know, I think of all of our our medicine and all of our technology, and we talk about these other two layers, the mood and our behavior. And a lot of times, you know, in man's perspective, all that people can do that we limit behavior. Medicine, if we're depressed, you know, we talked about the Advil principle, the Tylenol principle, you have a headache, you know, you give medication. Well, you're in a bad mood. You have a, a bad mood, you know, where you're not, maybe you're angry all the time, you're depressed. So what do we do? Our world will say, well, here's some medicine. Just take some medicine, take higher doses of medicine. And you can't really medicate the attitude. You can't medicate the no. way of thinking. And that's, I think, no. the, that's the point of the show tonight is 
if you understand this, that if you change the way you think, if you change not only the way you think, but what you believe, as we talked about the heart last week, man, so many things can change in our life. Our mood will change. Our behavior will change. So I think, guys, this is kind of the the pinnacle, I think, of a lot of where our problems stem from is understanding first our identity and then our attitude, how that works together. Yeah, you know, the 17th verse that you read in John chapter 3, it said God didn't send his son into the world to be judge of the world. He sent him so that the world might have salvation through him. And what's interesting when you look at that is here he is going through this excruciating pain, but he knew why. He understood that truth. Mm -hmm. And there are really, he didn't avoid the pain. He didn't even decide that that life was only good if there was no pain. Just like a, a, a mother who would say, I want to have a child, but no pain. No, you, you know, you embrace the pain that brings you life. Yeah. And and here he does that. And, and it's interesting, the 18th verse says, the man who has faith in him does not come up to be judged. But he who has no faith in him has been judged even now because he has no faith in the name of the only Son of God. When Jesus hung on the cross, he knew this. This was victory right now. Even though it looked like failure, even though everybody else would judge him differently, probably physically that day. He knew what was really going on. I want to encourage our listeners, know what's really going on. You need to know what the Bible says. You need to understand why you were made. And, and there are live coaches waiting for you. HopeNet360.com, you can talk to them. You, your, your pastor understands the Bible and teaches it. You know, But you have to embrace reality. And when you do, then all of a sudden your attitude can be adjusted and your mood actually changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that is so true. And I, I think we have to grab onto this. Our attitude really shapes so much. It, it shapes the, what we do. So if we have a right attitude, if you have a right way of thinking about things, uh, Michael, I'd like to hear some of your thoughts to how you've seen in young people when you're able to address maybe some of the attitudes. Sometimes we get focused as youth pastors, we get focused on the moods. You know, you have a moody kid that comes in that, you know, just seems disconnected or maybe just a little bit angry or edgy, you know, do you address the mood or would you think it'd be better to address maybe the attitude that's going on there? I think it's the attitude. Uh, you can pick out different categories in youth ministry all the time. You can talk about uh, anger, sex, whatever it might be. But until you get to the heart of the issue, the attitude of the individual and and get there, uh, some of that other stuff's just useless talking to. Mm-hmm. I think uh, on this first two uh, in First Peter four, when I was thinking, you know, man, sometimes it's hard to live up to that of Jesus and stuff too. Yeah, and uh, you know, but I realized that Jesus, you know, he suffered, he got hungry, he got tired, but he still gave us an example for us to be, you know, for us to train to be like, like Dave was saying, you know, training to be a police officer. We're training to be like Jesus. Uh, we're training in those ways. And so I think, you know, that you got to get down to that attitude of, hey, I want to be like Jesus. So what are some of the ways that Jesus did? And one of the craziest thoughts that I have, I'll just throw it out there, is Jesus prayed to God. It wasn't Jesus God, but yet he still talked to him. Why? Mm-hmm. To be an example for me so I could have a good attitude uh, and train to be like him. And so that's kind of where I was thinking, you know, with teenagers coming in, I encourage them a lot of times to think about that with your attitude so no it's hard to change the mode yeah it can be but you know 
it still intersects with what we do. So we're going to take a break here on the show. Remember to jump on the tweet back, hopenet360.com slash tweet back if you want an easy place to connect with us on the show. Or if you're on Twitter, you can just use the hashtag HNRTB. Let us know your questions. We love to hear and read your questions, respond to them during the show. You can also email us anytime at hope at hopenet360.com. We're going to take a break here and we'll wrap up the show when we come back on HopeNet Radio. Love HopeNet Radio? Stay in contact all week long at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Welcome back to HopeNet Radio. We're glad that you joined us tonight, guys. As we're wrapping up the show, you know, we talked about this passage from 1 Peter 4, 1 and 2. Having the same attitude or the same mind as Christ. This is not always easy, is it, Mike? No, it's not. A lot of times I look at the life of Jesus and I try to compare myself to him. And man, he went through a lot of stuff. Uh, When you read the scripture, you find out he did get hungry. He got tired because he slept. Uh, He went through the pain of death. And I can relate with all those. Some of the other things, not so much. And uh, so I got this idea. I was talking with my youth group last night, the difference of being like Jesus and training to be like Jesus. Hmm. For instance, if I were to show up at the Green Bay Marathon tomorrow, and it's not happening tomorrow, but let's just say it was happening tomorrow, I can go out and buy the best pair of running shoes, the best pair of running shorts, a running tank top, whatever type of uh, outfit that I need, even running socks. Uh, I could be very bold and shave my legs. I would not do that, even though I was a runner in the past. I could show up on race day and talk about running. I can even know some of the people running the race. But if I didn't train going into that marathon, you're going to know as soon as that gun goes off. And a lot of times for teenagers and for people that uh, follow Jesus, we try to be like Jesus. So we might dress or act a certain way on Sunday, but then throughout the week, it's totally different. And so for me, training to be like Jesus is kind of one of those things where my life needs to reflect not just Sunday, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and so on that I'm modeling a life because I can fake it on Sunday and I can look like the best Christ follower ever. (laughs) Uh, But when it comes to the rest of the week, am I living up to that? And I think the coolest part, and I was sharing a little bit about Jesus, him praying, man, that blows my mind. Jesus was God, right? Why did he talk to himself? He modeled that for his disciples and he modeled it for me to be able to train to be like him, to talk to God, to just communicate with him. And I think that's huge for us to realize we're never going to live up to be like Jesus. You know, we have sin in our life. We have so much coming at us, our circumstances. But if we can train to be like him throughout the week, uh, we get a little closer to living a life that was modeled like Jesus. Hmm. We go right back to what we started with. Your attitude needs to be shaped by reality. And 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 uh, television, movies, friends don't shape reality. God does. And and there's many people listening to us say they're disappointed in life. They're disappointed with God. They're disappointed with religion. They're disappointed with organizations. I, I would suggest that the simple solution is to really get to know God. Because if you are disappointed with God, you don't know him yet. And I want to invite you to get to know him. Open the Bible, read it. I just have, you know, some thoughts later in in 1 Peter, verse 7, it says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. 
Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. And I look at that and go, that's how Jesus lived. He lived in a manner that was saying, God, I want to show the world who you are. And I want those around me to understand who you are. Therefore, I'm going to love the people around me earnestly. Because even as Jesus was hanging on the cross and he looked at that crowd, he was able to say, forgive them. Why? He was using his love to say, God, I understand these people are sinful. Now, Jesus wouldn't say just like I am, but I could say that as Dave. You know, everybody, I, I just realized something the other day. I am a sinful person who married a sinful person, and we live in a fallen world. What am I going to expect here? And, and, and what I need to do is start putting it in reality and say, wow, you're beating yourself up. No, you know what? Because I know that, I go to God and I say, God, how do I make sense of this? And he goes, here's how. I sent my son Jesus to make things right. I made you to love me and love others. And as you put your trust in Jesus and, and enter into my family, then I am with you the rest of your life. You are my child and I will work on making your life what it should be. The Bible says it often that Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. It doesn't say that Jesus came to keep us out of hell. Even though that is a true statement, mm -hmm. the Bible doesn't say that. It says he came to give us life. Yeah. And I would suggest that people are listening today that, that are really struggling with in, in the purpose and significance of life. They're struggling with life. I want to ask you if you would spend time in God's word and embrace the God, the creator of the universe, and enjoy the fact of the truth, truth that he loves you and wants you to be a part of what he's doing and, and start to immerse yourself in truth and see if that truth, as he says, won't set you free because it will. There's no reason to be hopeless. There is reason to have an attitude that begins to show gratitude and, and, and our, it, it begins to frame all of the life in which we live. Yeah. You know, if I can just challenge some of my final thoughts to you tonight, if you're looking for answers, I would just check out First Peter, just the whole book of First Peter. It's, it's very heady. There's a lot to think about, a lot to consider, but it really talks about the mind of Christ, which is to be ready to suffer. And not only First Peter 4, but First Peter 3, verse 8, it says, Finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tenderhearted, and keep a humble attitude. And when we're talking about attitude, when we're talking about even the Bible, sometimes we get confused and we think that the Bible is, you know, a bunch of good stories and different situations, maybe different times and peoples and locations and, and all this. We look at it to be maybe a history guide. We look at it to be the, there are a lot of scientists who say, well, you can't trust the Bible because they weren't, they didn't have the right measures. They didn't have the right science back in the Bible days. No, here's the reality. Here's what the Bible will do for you. It will teach you how to think. It doesn't teach you just what to think. It teaches you how to think. And that can be the hardest thing to figure out is if you're a young person going through life and you're not in Christ, you don't have have you know your identity lined up right? Maybe you've been trying to find your world's identity for you. You've been trying to fit in with a certain group or a certain uh, people that you want to be around or be influenced by. And the reality is, is you're trying to think the way they're thinking. 
that's what we do by nature. We're, we're changing our thought patterns. We're changing our beliefs. We're changing our values based on those around us. And you know what? The people around us are going to change and not everybody believes the same thing. But here's the deal. If we set our mind on what God has for us, we set our mind in a way that God would think. There's also a scripture that says that God's ways, his ways aren't our ways. His thoughts aren't our thoughts and that we actually have to align our ways and our thoughts with his plan, his will. And that's not normal. That's not natural. And like I said before, the ways this world has for us will continue to disappoint us because, again, the standards will change. Our expectations for each other will change. People's expectations of you will change. Those are going to change, but God's won't. And, you know, there there brings a peace to that because you know that God always has your best interest at heart. You know that the game's not going to change just because, you know, it's a different year or it's a different season in your life. Being a parent for the first time and now that I have two kids, it's like it's almost double the frustration because I have expectations and I realize my expectations of my kids aren't necessarily God's expectations. And so I, as a parent, have to align my thoughts with God's thoughts. I have to align my beliefs with God's teaching, what he shows me. I have to align my attitude then with God's attitude and have that same attitude. So those are some of my final thoughts. I'd love for you guys, if you have some thoughts to share, love to hear those too. I think some of my final thoughts going off a little bit of what I was saying is the aspect of we can never live up to what Jesus, you know, did. And I think for me to take a different approach, how would Jesus live out my life? based on how God has wired me or how God has wired you, the gifts that he's given us, whether you're a creative person, whether you're an athletic person, whether you're very good scholarly, take what you have been gifted by God and use it with the attitude of, hey, this is how Jesus would live my life out in my school, my workplace, in the areas of my life. And I would encourage you to you know, think about those things. How would Jesus live out my life as well as do I have a good attitude when I do it? I would just encourage our listeners to realize that mood, the mood that you have actually indicates your attitude, which actually indicates what you believe in. And, and if you can get the truth, which is in God's word, what you'll find is that that sets you free and allows your attitude to be one that creates a mood around you that is positive rather than negative. Anytime you need to, you can chat with the live coach at HopeNet360.com. Also, do connect with us on our tweet back. We're going to be going out for the next hour or so. Anytime during the week, you want to leave a comment or a tweet at us, use the hashtag HNRTV. We might even read it on the show. So for Dave, Mike, I'm Jeff saying so long. We'll see you guys online and next week. Bye. 